Good morning, everyone. Greet you in Jesus' name. And invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 116. I enjoyed that story and actually our message um, part of it at least relates to the theme of that story. Quite a number of us have at some time or other been on a roof and maybe nearly all of us have been on a steep place where the footing wasn't terribly secure, but imagine yourself on a frosty roof for some reason, and you slipped and fell and started sliding, and you're scrabbling and scratching to hold on, but you're sliding and sliding farther toward the edge, and there's no way to stop yourself. It would be a very helpless feeling. I have slipped on a roof and slid a little ways, but uh, got stopped. But I have known of people who didn't get stopped and went all over the edge and landed on whatever was below. So that relates to life this way that um, sometimes, and we could ask ourselves just uh, down here in your memory, have you ever felt completely helpless like you were sliding on a roof, a hopeless situation, an insurmountable challenge? Or an inner struggle that that's really gotten the best of you and you don't know which way to turn, what step to take next. Nothing you tried made a difference, and you saw nothing clear before you that you could do to make things more manageable, uh, or to make things better, or change the course of what was happening and a dark cloud of dread hung over you. What did you do? What do you do? So let's look at Psalm 116. And this is a testimony and a, um, he leaves a lot of blank because he doesn't tell us what he struggled with. But he says this, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of fear laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the temple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted and said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord 
in the presence of all his people. Practice in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord, now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So the psalmist is praising the Lord because the Lord heard him, and his desperate cry for help on that slippery slope, whatever he was on. And uh, he called on the Lord for deliverance. In his desperation, he talks about facing death and troubles and sorrows. He was brought low, it says in verse 6. And God not only heard him, but God delivered him. You have loosed my bonds in verse 16. What a relief. And so he responds in worship. I love the Lord. And he will continue to call upon the Lord. His faith is stronger. I will, he, uh, in verse 12 through 15, he will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the Lord. And pay his vows of worship to the Lord. He will serve the Lord and will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. He will praise the Lord. This is the praise, this is the worship of a man uh, delivered. So, I'm flipping over to uh, Luke 11, where Jesus said, So I say to you, in the Son, ask, and it will be given to you. Speak, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And it doesn't say that uh, it will be given to us immediately, uh, that we will find it immediately, or that the door will be opened immediately. But if we're asking God, we're at the right place. We're asking the right person. We're seeking from the right one. And he is the one who can open the door. I want to look at uh, three situations in the scriptures where people were in a situation that uh, different, different situations, different needs, but they were strong needs, great needs, and strongly felt needs. And the first is Solomon. He was desperate for wisdom and for direction. And Solomon in Second Chronicles, the first chapter, he was a brand new king, succeeding his father, King David. And he was at Gideon, where the tabernacle of Moses was set up. And they were, they were worshiping there, and he offered many sacrifices. And in the night, God appeared to Solomon and said, What shall I give you? Ask. Ask what you uh, want. 
And Solomon already had a great burden on his mind and his heart. And it just came out. He didn't have to say, well, let me think about it. It was right there. He said that what I really need is wisdom. He said some other things, too. He talked about the magnitude of this responsibility that had been given to him to be the king over a people uh, like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom, give me knowledge, so I may go out and come in before these people. And thought that God was pleased at his humility and at his uh, discernment. The wisdom that Solomon showed already, a heart that thought like God, and he wasn't coveting after things of the earth. He wanted wisdom to be able to serve God in an effective way, in a God-honoring way. And by himself, he felt very inadequate for the task. I don't see how I can do it. And... God blessed him and gave him wisdom. We dare not be too confident in ourselves. And uh, people can. And we're warned. If any man thinks of himself to be something when he's nothing, he defeats himself. If we think we have enough smarts, uh, we're wrong, we're defeating. We need help ourselves. Jeremiah said, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Solomon realized that sometimes one of our needs is to realize how much we need God. But God promised help. God promised wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, he said in James chapter 1, let him ask of God who gives all liberally and without reproach, it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. We need more than our own intelligence, and God knows that, God promises. And if we come humbly, with the humble, there is wisdom, Proverbs 11, 2. If we come realizing that God is the source of the wisdom that we need, we can expect to receive from Him. Sometimes it comes to other people. Listen to counsel, Proverbs 19, 20, and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Humility before God, humility before others. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. So that's the encouragement for us in the, uh, in needing wisdom for life and the problems of life. And if we pray, and if we trust the Lord for direction and for guidance and for discernment and the way still seems cloudy and unclear, we're still, if we're kneeling and 
praying, we are still closer to the answer, closer to the source of the answer than if we hadn't been praying. So don't stop asking, don't stop seeking, don't stop knocking for wisdom for life. Does God love and care for you as much as He did for Solomon? I think the answer is yes. The scripture would tell us yes. Yes, He does. He cares about you and your need for wisdom. Sometimes uh, we face just what looks like a mountain of a challenge. Uh, and Hezekiah was in a place like that in 17, in 18 and 19. I think the, uh, his reign begins in 17 and 18. And, uh, but <clears throat> an envoy of a serious king, Sennacherib, had delivered a message to Hezekiah. And just to sum it up, it was this that. Your God, your God will not be able to protect you from the powerful army that I'm going to send to you, against you, and Jerusalem. And Hezekiah knew what had happened to other countries that Assyria conquered. They just came, folded over, and um, he had already taken the fortified city of Judah. And actually, uh, sometime before, Hezekiah had already paid the Assyrians a ransom of silver and gold. And that time they left him alone, but appeasement only emboldened a king to Nechariah. And now here he was again and threatening Jerusalem. And Hezekiah did not know what to do next except to call on the Lord. And you remember the story how he went into the temple and he spread this letter from Sennacherib before the Lord and he prayed. O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. And then toward the end of the chapter, it came to pass in verse 35, on a certain night, that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000 troops. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all day. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away. And then his son killed him uh, in the land of Arad. I'm sorry. No, they escaped through the land of Arad after they killed him. Uh, they killed him in the city, the capital, Nineveh. But Hezekiah laid it before the Lord from a humble and earnest 
desperately pleading heart, he prayed to God, and God moved in his behalf and delivered him. And so um, we can lay our challenges before the Lord, and God will hear and help us. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, Psalm 46, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. And though its waters roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with its swelling. Isaiah said in Isaiah 40, verse 29, God gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. I'm sure you can remember times. Uh, when you felt that kind of need and desperation, then pray to the Lord. I, I can uh, remember something. And um, it is a good place for us to be, to know how to feel helpless and to cry out from a heart of helplessness, to pray earnestly. God, I don't know what the answer is. You know a thing now in your life. I know a thing now that I'm praying for that way that I don't know what the answer is. God, help me, help us. But again, to encourage us, if we have prayed, and we have sought the Lord for His intervention and for resources and for strength. And it doesn't seem that anything is really changing. We're still closer to the solution than we were and closer to the source of power and deliverance. So we keep asking and asking earnestly and we keep Thinking earnestly and knocking earnestly. Uh, Martha read a little book. Um, what was the name of it? If I Perish, about a Korean Christian uh, girl lady who was severely persecuted and. Um, she was in prison, treated horribly, and uh, she was facing an awful trial that was to happen. And uh, she was at a weak point, and she was struggling with fear and despair. And she uh, was given the orders on a piece of paper. She knew she could not do it. It required her to pray to uh, the gods of Japan. And um, so it was to be several days away. So she fasted and prayed. She laid, did like Hezekiah and laid this before the Lord, laid it on the floor, and just prayed to God. 
fasting and praying for three days, uh, no food, no water, no sleep. And uh, I have a lot to learn about serious, serious prayer. But Jesus it was miraculous the way that changed. Does God love and care for you as much as He loves and cares about Hezekiah's needs? I think yes, He does. Another area that we should uh, hopefully feel and we can feel uh, desperate about is our own needs, our own spiritual needs, a lack of victory, a lack of growth. And I thought about the gathering demoniac in Mark 5. It tells the story, it's one place where it tells the story. And at the end of chapter 4, we have that peachy still storm on the Sea of Galilee where a fierce, a sudden storm uh, came up whipping up rough waves that were uh, spilling over into a boatload of disciples and threatening to sink it. It was really a danger, uh, in danger of sinking. And the disciples were frantic and afraid they were about to go under, and they woke Jesus up who was sleeping uh, in the boat. And he ordered the storm to be quiet, peace be still, and there was a great calm. And someplace I read, uh, they asked this question, they wondered, was a demoniac on a hill there in Gatorade, uh, could you see that storm out on the, uh, on the sea? The great clouds blowing about, and then saw it just dissipate, stop, and things all got suddenly quiet and that calm. And far out on the water, he saw a boat coming toward the shore. And the storm on the lake was a lot like the storm in the Gadarene's heart. That's a raging turmoil of anger and despair in under the control of the demons. I believe he hated the condition he was in. He hated himself. He often harmed himself, cut himself with rocks. I believe he wished for deliverance, for relief, but he was unable to to break free from that terrible bondage he was under, but something, something drew him to this boat and to the man in that boat. I don't know if he connected this man with the storm being sealed or not, but it says in verse 6 that gathering ran to Jesus there at the shore as he was clambering out of a boat and worshipped him. And though he was being possessed, he must have been able to uh, do some things on his own uh, and express himself on his own at times, but the demons, uh, certainly they, they, they were bossed and they took over his body, they took over his voice, 
and Jesus has mercy on this gathering and knew the need in his heart and his life and no doubt his desire for deliverance. And he ordered the demons to leave. And you know the story how they went into the herd of swine that went the dirt and ran down a steep place into the lake and drowned. But terrified the herdsmen, they ran back to the village. And uh, the villagers came out to see what this was all about. And there was something even more frightening to them was the, the demoniac. Uh, sitting there at the feet of Jesus, clothed and calm in his right mind, who is this man that can fill a storm of a heart? What kind of power does this Jew have? It was very unsettling to them, and they asked Jesus to leave. The gathering uh, begged to go with Jesus. <clears throat> but Jesus told him to stay. The gathering loved Jesus. Like the psalmist, I love the Lord. The Lord delivered me. It's um, Jesus told him to stay here and to tell his family and his friends, tell others what great things the Lord had done for him. It's a, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful testimony of God's love and God's forgiveness to this man. And we were uh, just a couple. We weren't. I don't know that any of us were controlled by a demon, demon possessed, but we were too weak. Uh, we were unable to save ourselves. In Romans 5, verse 6, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for us. Yet in weakness, the Amplified says, uh, New American Standard says, still helpless. The New Living Translation, utterly helpless. <laughs> we were at one point, Paul said in Ephesians 2, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were helpless. We were helped. We were offered help. And there is a spiritual work that God would want to do in the redeemed. He said, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Without me, you can do nothing. The life of God in our hearts, the work of the Spirit 
in our hearts to change our hearts and minds? Are you sometimes uh, disappointed with the juvenile, immature, selfish, and wrong thoughts that come to your mind? Jealousy, pride, critical spirit, easily aggravated, suspicious and judgmental, things like that. Are you sometimes uh, disappointed at things like that that you see impure thoughts? That these things that come up and they unsettle us and trouble us and we don't want them, but they come and we struggle to stay with whatsoever things are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. And we know that that Paul said that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We know that, but still we have these struggles. And um, we may not be having the victory we know we should have, and we may not be maturing like we know God would have us to grow. And He has said to us that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's something supposed to be happening in our mind. How earnest are we about this? How how burdened are we about this? How desperately do we pray? Oh Lord, I confess I am needy. I am not growing like you want me to. And I pray that you will transform me and renew my mind. And to pray, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And to pray for the Holy Spirit. And in this, Luke asking and seeking an awesome passage that I read a few verses from. Uh, Jesus said, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I think we need a uh, sense of desperation about where we are and where we need to be and uh, and be crying out earnestly to God for deliverance, for growth. Luke also tells us in chapter 18 about two men that went up to the temple to pray and were familiar with that, that Pharisee and that tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed. He was a praying man. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Or even as this tax collector standing next to me here, not too close. And he looked at all the things that he did, that he supposed made him righteous. And the tax collector standing far off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
Now that was a desperate man. That was a man who was not embarrassed to stand in the temple before however many people were there and to cry out from his heart his desperate plea to God, be merciful to me a sinner. And Jesus said, this man went down to his house, justified, not the proud Pharisee. And God knows, God hears and answers the cries of the earnest helpless, who really mean business. So, if we pray and we sought the Lord for deliverance from some besetting sin, and we sought the Lord for growth in our spiritual life, and we're still struggling and feeling like we're spinning wheels, and sometimes it's fair that it's no use. Keep on. We're closer, we're still closer than we were and closer to the source of power, of deliverance, of a transformed life than we would be if we stop praying, if we weren't praying, if we aren't praying. So keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Jesus loved that gathering. Does Jesus love and care for you as much as he did for that gathering? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. We sing that song, that beautiful song, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And I believe that's really true that we often lack peace. But we also forfeit answers. Actually, they would come before the peace, wouldn't they? Uh, and we have less wisdom. We have less strength in the face of challenges and see less interventions, divine interventions of God. And we experience less deliverance and less spiritual growth because we do not bring things to God in earnest prayer. That's a challenge to me. We want to be close enough to God uh, and praying constantly to Him, to God, about our needs, sensing and feeling them deeply. And we would sing like Charles Wesley, said, Father, I stretch my hands to Thee. No other help I know. If Thou withdraw Thyself from me, all will still I go. Without God, we're lost. Without God, we're lost. With God, we are not lost. God is with us. I love the Lord, 
because he has heard my voice and my supplications. So, uh, we can think of ways that God has answered prayer, granted wisdom, wisdom given strength, intervened, and delivered us, and helped us in something so incremental, spiritual growth, maybe even incremental, maybe a big step. And we praise the Lord. We thank the Lord. We love the Lord. But he said, the psalmist said, Therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. That means that there are more things coming, more challenges, more challenges, more difficulties. Life here on this earth isn't over. God is still listening. God is still answering prayers, regardless of what life brings. And uh, we want to grow in Him, grow in our faith, grow in our uh, confidence, and grow in seeing answers to prayer around us and within us. May God help us and bless us. Let's have a closing song.